Hey guys, and welcome to the Creative Influencer Podcast, where we chat about living as the most epic version of yourself, being an entrepreneur, personal development goals, mom hustle, and starting a new life over as a single boss babe. Life is way too short to sweat the small stuff, and living your life as the most intentional and exceptional version of you is the only way to achieve your dreams. I am your girl, Amanda, an entrepreneur and goal-obsessed hustler in personal development, business, and fitness. So if that is your vibe too, then we are going to be besties. I freaking love sharing my new goals, new ideas, business successes to help you achieve the goals that you want as a high achiever. My growth is the reason I started this podcast because I am just like anyone else, but sometimes I didn't believe enough in what I could truly accomplish in life. So let's dive into this episode, grab a notepad, some pens, and your heart and mind to fill with some really good stuff. Let's go. Hey guys, have you heard about the new RB High Achiever course? It's now being offered and guys, I'm so excited for this. This has been a huge undertaking and journey to get this up and running. So please head over to the website and get yourself registered for learning on how to become the highest version of yourself as a high achiever. Personal development and growth mindset, that has been a forefront in my personal growth. And I've had so many people ask me how I can juggle and manage all of these day-to-day tasks from being a mom, a business owner, and community leader. So if you are interested in learning about all the little tips and tricks, then this course is for you. Sign up today at rbfurnitureshop.com forward slash high achiever. I cannot wait to see you guys there. girls are like with me and they're like, yeah, like we need like a warrior Jeep. That's what we need. Like we need like a, like, yeah, like that's what we need. We need like a badass Jeep, like just to go, you know, fl- like nothing fancy. I'm like, we could spray paint it, like whatever. It just needs to be also, like, also if you're purchasing a car, look under the hood and make sure you can access the battery. Make sure you can get the oil, the washer fluid, make sure you know how to change the tires. Does it come with a spare tire? How easy is the jack to like get to look at those things because the amount of times I've blown a tire on like an off roading adventure to the beach, you, you need to know how to change a tire. There's no tow trucks coming to get you. Yeah. And nobody's calling or let alone like you might not even have service. And like, especially Mm -hmm. here in Costa Rica, like I feel like the more remote you go, like, especially further down the coast, like if you don't know how to speak Spanish and you're not like, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't have any service, which like a lot of the times, you know there's just, it's just not accessible. I mean, you have to know like the basic essentials of life, like just basic life skills. And I think even like COVID kind of like the pandemic, you've seen all these people like panic buying. You're like, guys, like relax, you know, like, yeah. You have a lot of that stuff and you just learn how to adapt. And like you were saying about your breakfast, um, learn how to be creative. Don't just, you know, people call and get Uber Eats learn how to just use what you have in your house people if a pandemic hit and you couldn't leave your house we had a pandemic and you could get someone still deliver things to your door but if you couldn't leave your house you have so much food you could probably live for at least a year with the crap you have in your cabinets that you didn't even remember you had or don't know how to use yeah like 100 percent. and i think that so many people like so many people just i don't know they live in like this lifestyle where it's like it's so convenient they're constantly buying. It's like, if you just simplify things, like simplify it, it's like, we don't need to have it. Like, I really don't need to exist on that much money. Even like, like I find uh, even myself, like with clothes and stuff like that now, like I'm starting to think like, I don't know, like I think I've always been into like, this is totally off topic, but like vintage shopping, like where Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's really cool to like, go get like a retro t-shirt. Like, why do we need to be so I don't know everything it's not to say I do like shopping like I do love yeah. like when I go buy something like brand new but I, I just down here like you can't get it so it's like yeah. you gotta I find what you have man yeah and if you are shopping get really good quality stuff that's gonna last you years and you don't have to buy hundreds of cheap tops that are just gonna disintegrate or fall apart in a day or two um I find getting really good quality stuff I've had things for I would say 13 years, my favorite shirt, and I still wear it. And then I have a cheap shirt 
in my closet that didn't even last me two weeks and just kind of yeah. disintegrated in the wash. Yeah. No, I love, like, one of my favorite things to do is, like, I think they have so many great, like, vintage uh, shops or whatever, secondhand shops. Like, when you go find, like, an old band or, you know, a, I don't know, like, a t-shirt, like, something like that. They just, they, they're cool. They look great. You mm-hmm. can wear them with jeans or, like, whatever. Cut them up. Make a tank top. Like, whatever you need yeah. to do, right? It's, like, they look super yeah. cool. And it's just, like, it's about being versatile and, like, knowing how to live your life on a much more simple basis, right? Where you don't have to overcomplicate. And I think when you have all that stuff in your life, it gives me anxiety. Like I get stressed out where I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm constantly trying to chase, you know, like, oh, it's like to have this great car or to have this great life or to have that. And that's fine if that's your jam and that's what you wanna do. But sometimes mm-hmm. um, life is just not about that. It's just about watching the sun rise and like the sunset. Yeah. You just need to make it more simple then. I love how you say that because when I um, when I got injured really badly, I lost, I couldn't work. I got basically lost everything and I had to either find a place to live in the middle of, I think it was fall. I can't even remember. It would have been fall. Um, and I couldn't afford anything without working. So I had a plot of land and I built a tiny home. This is, I think, 10 years ago. Oh, maybe, maybe 11. Um, and I still, I still live there to, to this day, except when I go to Muskoka and every time I'm in Muskoka, I miss home, that tiny little 96 square foot room. That's all I need. I can grow my own vegetables. It's peaceful. It's where I feel the best is the smallest space I have. And then I go to Muskoka and everything's big. And I see these boat houses and just no one's living in them, but they need more space and more things. And it also stresses me out because I'm like, the more you build, the less you can enjoy the place that you are living in. If you can enjoy it and that you like respect it and you appreciate it and all that stuff, like Mm -hmm. it's, there's so much value to not taking things for granted. And I think so often people do take things for granted or they're not appreciative of the, like the simple things in life. Like I've come to realize over my course of life that I don't need a lot to exist. Like I really don't. And I'm grateful to have those experiences in my life where I've been able to like build properties, like I've built really big properties and I've built really Mm -hmm. small properties. And I've like come to the realization where it's like a lot of the times when you're doing that, especially when you're doing like investment building, you are building and then you take it and you stage it and you take all of your personal stuff and you pack it away. And then that stuff gets packed away. And over time, you're like, I don't actually need to have that much stuff, right? Because Mm -hmm. I haven't accessed it. Like my my rule of thumb is like, if I haven't touched it in a year, it has no value to me. Like if I have not touched it or connected with it in a year, it really serves no purpose in my life. So why am I still carrying Mm -hmm. it on? Because I think all those things tend to like weigh me down and all that stuff. So I feel really grateful that I've been able to experience those things we're building because I don't think a lot of people will get that, like get that opportunity where, you know, they're presented that in life where, you know, I could easily come down here to Costa Rica, find an area of land, get some chickens. As long as I can be close to the ocean, that's mm-hmm. all I need. Like, I don't yeah. need anything more than that. Like, because everything else we can figure out, you know, everything else is like, yeah. and it's kind of cool to like problem solve those things because that's what makes it special, right? Like that's what yeah. I enjoy the process. And yeah. it sounds like you do too, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you can stand back and you're like, oh man, like I built that, like, or I did that. Like that was all yeah. me. Like it gives me so much more pride of ownership versus somebody coming in and, you know, just doing it for you, I guess. Right. Like, yeah. And, if, and you, you're used to creating as well. So having a space, whether you have an empty space or a space that you have really put thought into you're like I have this space I want to make it the best possible um so if you have your giant space that you're working with in Muskoka um you can create it to be the best space possible like the most efficient so you don't necessarily need a huge house if you design it properly to something you love you can have a smaller space and have more sentimental value with it and most of the times they just like it's they would like to sleep in a treehouse honestly like yeah. they'd sleep in a treehouse and be huddled together and like have a camp out like those are some of the best moments that you have in your life 
I, I don't yeah. know. I remember that as being like a girl, hey, hanging out with my girlfriends and you'd have a sleepover party and you'd all be huddled in there together. Like you don't need to have, you know, four bedrooms for everybody because most of the time they're all like camping out and playing and, and you want to have that close connection with them mm-hmm. too, right? Because it's like, that's maybe then, I don't know, they're going to play cards or like, they're going to have chats and like, I don't know, yeah. stay up late. And like, it's all those memories. Like if you're so far away from each other, like how do you how do you connect, right? It's it's hard to. Yeah, I have chicken. I have chickens and ducks, and my neighbors have kids. And I just tell them, I'm like, just come over whenever you want. And I put a little library in the greenhouse, and I just put kids' books of like random books that I find for free. I'll put in there, and my neighbors' kids will come over, um, and they'll hang out with the chickens. And some I know there's a the family and two of the boys um, are sort of on the spectrum, but they they really struggle with school and reading and they can't read in front of people because they shut down. So during the pandemic, they needed to be homeschooled and they struggled with it. So I, when I got the books, I told them, go read to the chickens. No, they're not gonna tell you, you're mispronouncing it. You're not gonna be judged. And they like hearing your voice. I'm like, read them anything, read them a book about jokes, read them whatever you wanna read. And, um, and the mom said that's the only time they wanted to read was if they're reading to the chickens and the ducks. So they would go, I just, so I, I built a couch, I made it really comfortable. And I was like, just come over whenever you want. And I would hear them sometimes where I wake up in the morning and I wanted to go outside and feed the chickens, but I would hear the kids. So I'm like, well, I'm going to stay inside and I'm going to let them read. Uh, I can let them do their thing. And I, I think kids need access to more outdoor open schooling where you're still going to learn math. You're still going to learn how to read, but when you're locked in a room, or sitting at a desk and you have to read to yourself. It, some kids just shut down doing that. They need to be in a more, uh, I don't know, more colorful scenario for school. Schools are just like gray walls, black walls. Like give them some color, make it fun. Yeah, and I think I think it's like that institution education, right? Like everybody gets so obsessive about that. Like, well, my kid is not at this or not at that, and. I've always spoke with this too. Like I'm such a big advocate for travel with my kids. Like I, I would much rather do no gifts, like no, like Mm -hmm. here's a plane ticket and we'll go and explore and, and, and do that because I think that there's so much that they can gain from being able to like see different countries and see the world and like having opportunities like that where they're not stuck in that institutional education yeah yeah uh, same way I went to French immersion growing up and then um when I got into high school they put me in English and in French immersion they never taught us how to spell in English they taught us how to spell in French because that's we had we had French class we didn't have English class or what we had of an English class was I don't know how it was like 40 minute class once a week or once a day, whatever it was, they didn't teach us a lot. Other, otherwise, the rest of the day was all in French. So I remember really struggling in French because it wasn't, I didn't speak it at home. My dad's Italian, so his first language was, was Italian, second was French, and then third was English. So um, speaking French at home with my dad and doing spelling, I get to high school. I don't know any of... I don't know any grammar, like there, there, and there. They're all spelled completely different in different scenarios. And I'm like, what is happening? What is with this English language? I'm putting ease on the end of words that aren't supposed to have ease. I still do it when I'm texting because, but you understand the words I'm saying, but I was never taught that in school. And when I went into an English class, they thought I was stupid. They were like, you don't know. They would pull me out in the hall and tell me, you should know this, why are you, being a trying to rebel why are you trying to be funny i remember writing something down and it was um what it was something about which item would you choose and i spelt it as in witch like a witch with a hat but i didn't know there was another way to spell it and they pulled me in the hall and she's like oh you spelt this wrong and i was like that's the only way i know how to spell it and the teacher's like no why are you yelling like why are you fighting this with me you're you know the better you shouldn't be telling me telling me off in front of the class and making me look bad. And I'm like, I, there's no other way to spell witch in my mind. I don't know what, I don't know why you're asking me. You spell it 
like a witch, like with a hat. And she's like, she wouldn't tell me there's two ways to spell it, but she, but she didn't know that I went to French school. So I'm sitting there, I'm thinking I'm stupid. I'm like, there's another way and I don't know. I'm an idiot, my brain can't figure it out. And then I find out years later, I was looking at something and I saw some somebody spell like, which item would you pick instead of like a witch as a character? And I'm like, oh, there are two ways to spell it. <laughs> And like that back to grade nine where this teacher's yelling at me, if she just would have said, this is how it's spelled, I would have been like, oh, cool. I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me. Instead of me thinking I was a dumb idiot. I think that it's like those moments, like that's obviously like, those are moments in your life that you take where I know, I, I know for me, like if I could go back to my high school teachers or even elementary teachers like similar situations where um you know they like thought that I was not smart stupid like you know I was not you know that cookie cutter you know whatever like progressional student like had a shitty home life like you know there's so much stuff like going on like my childhood was like terrible and like and then it would be like you'd be called out on that in class and like you're like yeah but like look look at us now right like yeah like we it's not everybody fits into that like box style education and I think that um, I'm constantly the type of person that's like always asking questions like I've always been like that since I was little um trying Mm -hmm. to figure things out and I don't know if it just because like that was my upbringing like it was out of necessity like we didn't have a lot of money growing up so you know we'd have to figure things out and I'm I'm constantly asking questions about stuff like if I go on to a job site and I'm building with contractors like I want to know just as much as what they know because they know Mm -hmm. way more than me yeah and even when it comes to things like you know like you mentioned backing up a trailer I feel it's docking a boat and backing up a trailer because we live we both live in Muskoka Mm -hmm. I feel there are so many women and men I'm gonna put men in that category too that don't have that skill set and they have no idea how to get it off a dock, like get it into the water, like in backing yeah. up a trailer mm-hmm. and, and, and docking it. And it's shocking to me that people don't know that. I don't know if they're embarrassed to like yeah. say, Hey, put their hand up and just like ask a quick question. Like, how do I do that? I'll tell you, like, I didn't know how to do that. Like there was at one point in my life where I did not know how to dock a boat. I did not know how to back up a trailer. I did not know how to launch a boat into the water. Yeah. And the only reason how I got good at those things is because I put my hand up, asked, and somebody taught me how to do it. And I really sucked at it the first time and then progressively got better um, as we move forward. And I feel like even just like in Muskoka, I'm like, like, why are there not more people and that are like wanting to teach this skill set or, and, or I feel like there's a lot of people that want to learn. I don't know if it's because maybe it's intimidating, but I know a lot of women like I made a reel. I was like, this is how you dock, a, this is how you back up a, a, or how you hook up a trailer. And people yeah. were like, whoa, like you yeah. know how to do that? I was like, yeah, because I have a trailer guys. Like that's it. <laughs> I'll teach you it for free. Like we'll put some free yeah. course. Like this is what you you need to do. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that there are more people that need to put their hand up and ask those questions yeah. because- yeah. Um, I, I think it should be a necessity. Like if you own a boat, you should know how to dock it like, yeah. correctly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, well, it's I, uh, not- I taught, I taught wakeboard lessons for years and years. Um, and when I moved to Muskoka, I realized like everybody has a, like a G or 25 foot Malibu or a Nautique of some sort. Um, so I'm looking around and I'm like, there's so many boats here, but a lot of people don't know how to drive them. They hire people to drive their boats. They hire me to drive their boats because they don't know how to drive them. So a lot of my clients that I teach lessons with, I'll be like, do you want me to teach you how to drive your boat? Yes, you're, yes that's going to take hours away from me being paid to drive your boat for you. But like, do you not want to learn this? And then they're like, oh, you would do that? How about I pay you for an hour of a wakeboard lesson, but we just learn how to drive the boat? And I'm like, perfect. Like, let's do this because I feel like you should know this in an emergency case scenario or if you're what if your kid wants to go out and I'm not here or not available you just say no and you can't go you have access to this boat you should know how to use it 
anyways, I've had a lot of wives since then message me saying, hey, can you teach me how to drive my boat? My husband's not here this week and the kids are asking to go water skiing or wakeboarding and I don't feel comfortable taking them out. And I'm like, of course. So this one lady that I coached, uh, I coached her kids. She called me and she's like, my husband's gone this for the next week or two for work. We're at the cottage while he's gone. Um, I want to take the kids out, but I don't want to tell him because I want, I just want to learn how to do it without him telling me that I'm, I'm not capable or that it's his job because he's always been the driver. So she hired me secretively and she's like, teach me how to drive the boat. Uh, I'm like, okay. So we went out for, I think an hour or two. Um, and I taught her how to safely pick up her rider. So I'm like, hey, I threw a life jacket in the water and I was like, this is a person. Don't hit this person. If you hit it, at least they're not going to die. We're not using your actual children as buoys. So I threw a life jacket in the water and I teach them. I'm like, okay, this is the person. When you pick them up, this is why like you're on the driver. So you always pick them up on the driver's side so you can see them. This is like you're always in neutral when you're near them and just kind of teach them safety. And then I also taught her how to um, dock the boat. So she said she needed gas. And I was like, okay, let's go to the gas station. Um, I'm gonna, you're gonna dock the boat, but I'm gonna walk you through it. And she's like, oh my God, there's people everywhere. This is gonna be terrifying. So I was like, I'll dock it first, we'll get gas and then we'll leave and we'll come back and we'll get ice cream or whatever. And she's like, okay. So I showed her how I docked it. And I walked her through it, like every single part of it, but without giving her too much information, just the basics and the safeties. Uh, and then she came back and docked it and she started crying because she was like, oh my God, I've never docked a boat. That was amazing. Everybody was looking at me and I was scared, but I felt good because you supported me. Usually my husband would just say, get out of the seat, I'll do it. And that's how it works. She's just, she would drive the boat, he would change, he would dock it. That's how it was. So when he came home, I showed her different ways how to dock it. So I'm like, okay, if it's on the right, if it's on the left, your boat pulls to the right. So this is how you dock it if you go on your left. Um, and then uh, her husband comes home and um, they were out on the boat and she was still, she was driving it towards the dock and her husband said, oh, here, get out, I'll dock it. And she's like, no, no, I got this. And he's like, what do you mean? Like he got kind of mad at her because he's like, you're going to crash it, blah, blah. And she's like, I got this. And he sat back and watched her um, and he's like, Oh damn. And then her son was sitting there and his son, her son was like, dad, mom docks the boat better than you do. And she's like, every dollar I spent on that lesson was worth it. Just for my son saying that in front of my husband, because he's never had faith in her driving the boat. And she told him afterwards, she's like, I hired someone to teach me. So like, it wasn't sketchy or anything, but he, now she docks the boat and he doesn't. Really? That's so cool. Yeah. I feel like that's the thing is like when you do like really hard things like that, like intimidating stuff, like the only way you're going to get better at it is like by doing it more. It's super intimidating when you're sitting there with like a really expensive boat or not, like, like a little yeah. tin boat and you're waiting out there in the marina and the thing is packed and buzzing around and you got to dock it. It's like everybody feels the same way. So for, I think anybody listening right now, like anybody that's sitting out floating on the water, it's like waiting for like an opportunity to get in there and like dock a boat. It is intimidating. I think about that too. Like, I, it's not like I go in there and I'm like, you know, just balls to the wall. Like I got this yeah. every single time. Like I definitely think about, it. I'm like, okay, like I gotta, yeah. I gotta get, I gotta get my girl boots on here. But um, I think when you do like those things, like it's so happy to hear those stories where people it's like they get confidence and I think with confidence mm -hmm. like they get it's like happiness built from that and it's awesome it's and awesome. I think that I think, yeah more women need to have I don't know just like more confidence with like doing stuff like that it's not necessarily like I, I feel I think a lot of men definitely will take over when it's like time to like dock the boat or back up the mm -hmm. trailer but it's like if you want to learn that like pop him out of the driver's seat and get in there. And the only way you're going to learn and get things done is if you, you give it an opportunity and like, you're probably going to fail the first time, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know? And another thing, if you're, if you want to learn a skill, don't learn it from your boyfriend or your husband or your dad, like go to a neutral territory, ask, like go to the boat launch, look at someone that knows what they're doing and ask them and be like, Hey, can you help me? Do you have a minute? Can you help me back my trailer up? I've never done it before. I want to actually learn. There is no stranger that isn't rushed on time that wouldn't 
help somebody do that. If someone said that to me, even if I was in a hurry to get somewhere, I'd be like, okay, you're asking questions. You want to do this? Like, let's go or hire somebody, go to, a, go to a marina and be like, Hey, do you have anyone that's really good at backing up trailers? Can I like give them 20 bucks to just go show me like a few tricks? Cause I want to be, do it safer. There's, I bet you they would do it for free, but if you just, just to get somebody to come out, find the most experienced person there, they would probably love to teach you. They'd be like, yes, this chick wants to learn. Let's do it. 100%. I feel like the, the worst date ever or relationship fails is like getting your partner to teach you something that they're either better at than you or like they're going to be intimidating with you. Like yeah. it, it's, it's just, yeah, find a neutral territory to like mm -hmm. teach you out on that. I know that, um, yeah, it's like, a, it's a great idea. Um, if, if anybody ever wants to learn how to dock boat, back trailer, you could definitely DM me. I'm sure you can yeah. DM yourself. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'll definitely like run through with that. I get that all the time. Like I'll, I'll see women talk about it all the time where it's, especially with backing up uh, a trailer or hitching a trailer, they'll, they'll say like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that you know how to do that. It's like, guys, like mm -hmm. this is not, it's not a hard skill to learn. Like it literally t doesn't take that much time. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you definitely need to have that like changing a tire. It, these are all like super important mm -hmm. life skills and, uh, been driving standard. Yes. No, yeah. nobody like in Costa Rica, if you rent a car, the car you rented, is it standard or automatic? Yeah. No, it's standard. Yeah. So they don't when you go down to places like that, they don't usually have automatic cars. And most people don't know how to drive automatic any or standard anymore. So when you show up, there's been times where I'm always the driver when we go down south because usually the people with me or most of them don't know how to drive standard or haven't done it in 10 years. And aren't comfortable with it. I tried to buy a standard car this year. It was a pain in the ass because you can hardly find them anywhere. And I love driving them, but, um, going down South, you need, that's a skill you need. And if anything were to happen and you needed to jump in a standard car and there was an emergency, if you don't know how to drive it. What the heck are you going to do? Yeah, no, it, it was like, it was something when I was learning how to drive, um, I remember my parents. So my, I grew up in uh, Scotland and mm -hmm. they're all they're it's very difficult to buy an automatic vehicle like it's mm -hmm. same with uh, italy it, yeah it like i i don't know how many maybe maybe it's more now but especially like when i grew up my, like my i always my dad my mom didn't drive my dad did and he always had a standard car and mm -hmm. uh so my dad refused actually to pay for my driving lessons unless i did it standard and, you know, being like the rebellious teenager, it was more about like, how much, like, why do I need to learn? Like, you know, I just like such a, like, I didn't want to do it just because like my parents were telling me what to do. I was 16 yeah. and uh, whatever, just being rebellious at that time. Um, so, and like, so growing up in Scotland, like we, I then moved back to Canada and, um, and like in Canada, we have a lot of automatic cars. So I was like, what's the point? Because everybody, yeah. everything, well, my gosh, like I probably in, I think in my girl group, probably one of the very few females that actually knows mm -hmm. how to drive standard, yeah. especially when you come down here. And I'll tell you, like when I go back home and I fly in Scotland, one, they're driving on the opposite side of the road. Two, it's very difficult to find an automatic car. So most of yeah. the time I'm driving on the opposite side of the road, driving standard. And if I've ever flown back with anybody there, they're like, he's, I'm nope. out. I can't drive. Yeah. Like you've got the, and the roads, like, well, they were built during like when the Roman empire was there. So, <laughs> I mean, the roads are like this big, the car is that big. Like, I don't want yeah. a big car. I want like this little zippy thing in and out. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's such an important life skill. And I think that, um, you know, driving standard is, it's also fun too. Like once you, yeah. I actually prefer driving standard than when I do automatic. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, I don't know. I get, more, yeah. I get more distracted driving automatic because I'm like, I need to do something. If I have standard, I'm focused on what I'm doing. And then if I'm an automatic, I'm like, okay, well, all right, well, let's change the radio station and let's go. Like I'll like, start daydreaming of this. And, and then I just get bored and sleepy because it's just so boring. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. And uh, well, it down here in Costa Rica, like it's, um, you know, there are roads that are like, 
the roads are dirt. Like they are yeah. built, like it's building. And when I say like, it, it can be questionable if they have a big rain, you know, there could be flooded out. So you need to know how to maneuver around yeah. that. And the, the way to do it is like when you have a, a standard vehicle so that you can get it up and around. So neither is yeah. oh, you're going to get out of that car and hopefully don't have a flat tire because you're going to be pushing it up the hill because yeah. it, 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 it it's going to get stuck. I mean, I've, driven down to some parts here on like, especially as far south as like Samara. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Google maps, it's great, but it's maybe not updated that much down here. And I mean, we're no. literally, we had, I had to drive through like a river, like a, a river, yeah. like, like you're going to have to get out and push that vehicle if it gets stuck yeah. or hopefully it doesn't float away. I don't know, Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely, uh, it's important to have like standard. Yeah. I think that and especially with my girls, like watching them, I hope that they, you know, can see that too. Right. Where it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. my mom, my mom can do the stuff. Right. Like she's mm-hmm. kind of a, like a, a badass in that sense, because not a lot of people are able to do that. And I hope that they have that skill set too, like that they're watching and learning and knowing how to do those things because, yeah. um, yeah, they need to, they definitely need to. Like I've, I've driven a motorcycle before, but like not dirt biked or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's definitely very like appealing. I've mm-hmm. done a, like four wheeling before and like had like one of those four wheelers where you have to like shift. It's like with your hand, mm-hmm. although the balancing obviously is like not there, but I tell you, yeah. it's like the most fun in the world when you like are in some dirty mud and like just getting mm-hmm. like, like with a four wheeler, it's like it's so much fun it's so so yeah. much fun so where do oh, you, you go can, like where do you go you gotta to... try motor you gotta try dirt biking and motocross so I um when I got injured that time when I built my tiny home um I couldn't walk or do anything and I have a friend that races motocross he's like top level there's a track near kind of near my place called Sandali and it's out, just outside of Ottawa um and we went there I was just gonna go and watch because I couldn't do anything like I was injured it kind of sucked so he actually taught me how to drive his motorcycle because I couldn't walk but I could sit on a motorcycle and I was like oh, I'll just go slow I'll stay in first gear and I'll just go up and down um the driveway so I'm driving his bike which is a 450 which is a huge bike for me like I couldn't touch the ground um and then as I started to get better I was like I want to go like play in the dirt I want to play in the sand and I got better and he he confidently taught me how to drive a motorcycle and he's like go slow go fast like it's okay to fall if you drop my bike whatever like it's a it's a motocross bike I've flown it into the ditch in the bush so many times just go crash and I'm like okay so I'm like going so slow thinking um I don't want to damage his bike but the slower you go the harder it is so I didn't even know that I was doing the harder thing was yeah going slow on a motorcycle that's really really hard to do um and then as I got more confident I went to the track and I started to just kind of go around slowly um and he had a 450 so if I dropped that thing I basically could not pick it back up so I was like don't drop this because I'll look like an idiot so I do I did drop it a few times but it sucked and I eventually picked it up um and I did a couple laps on on that and then he I rode a 250. His girlfriend had a, a 250 four stroke. I rode that and I was like, okay, this, this is my size of a bike. I can actually rip on this thing. And then as I got better and like healthier and with my leg and my injury, um, I ended up getting a 252 stroke and I rode with him uh, at the track and I just, I didn't even notice I was going faster, just like faster and faster. And then I he went to a race, he raced. So I just went with him and he's like, Hey, do you want to enter this race with me? I'm like, sure. I'm like, I'm going to be last place. This is going to be horrible, but who cares? Just do it. And I didn't come last place. It was great. <laughs> um, awesome. But that's the thing about you. Just like, just saying yes to things that scare the hell out of you and you never know what's going to happen. And now I have a life skill and hobby that I never would have had if I never got injured or if he never gave me that opportunity to to hop on his bike and learn yeah yeah for sure and that's like awesome like that I like I've always wanted um yeah like I think like dirt biking like it's very intriguing I've never been I've been around like some people but like like I said I've always done like four-wheeling um 
but it is, it's pretty cool that you're able to like learn that new skill set and like being able to do that. So how, so when you had an injury, what did you injure? You injured your leg? Um, so I, it was actually in one of my wakeboard competitions. I, uh, I broke my femur and my tibia. Um, but, uh, it was in a street competition in Quebec. Um, the winch, the brake, the brakes were broken or like the winch wasn't running well. And it sucks because the guy that was running the event knew it was broken, but didn't want to stop the event. And I wish he would have at least told me so that I would have let go sooner or at least adjusted a little bit. So it was kind of out of my control thinking I had confidence that everything was going to work out, but, um, it didn't pull me where I needed to go. The brakes never stopped. So it smashed me right at the end of the pool. And there's a, there was a boat at the end of the pool. So it smashed me right into the boat. Um, I split my leg open. My right leg was split open and my tibia was exposed. And my left leg, my femur and tibia were broken. So basically both my legs are just like destroyed. And um, uh, anyways, I went to a hospital and they looked, they stitched my leg up, which was because my bone was exposed, but they, the other leg had been broken. And then they just kind of gave me drugs, sent me home and I couldn't walk, went back to the um, doctor and they couldn't figure out what it was. They eventually did exploratory surgery and found out my bone in my left leg was shattered, which wasn't the one they stitched up. So it was basically both my legs for two years were pretty much non-functional. Like I couldn't put, do any sport. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. Um, the doctors told me I would never squat again. They're like, you're never going to play a sport again. You'll be lucky if you can get up off the toilet. Um, your leg will never go past 90 degrees. Like even getting to 90 degrees is never going to happen. It took me a year to be able to get my leg to get to 90 degree bend. Um, so the fact that I can even lift any weight at all right now is like the doctor's like, I don't know how, how you're doing it. Your leg should be complete jello right now. Um, but that's why I became a trainer. Um, and I, cause I couldn't afford anything when I got injured because they never paid female athletes to do anything. You showed up, you rode if you were lucky, because I was always the only female there. So I had no one to compete against except the guys. So I would compete against the guys, which I loved. It was fun. But the risk to reward factor financially, there was nothing. So it's like I compete against the guys. I won't get last place. I'll, I'll compete well. But the chances of me getting first are 0.01% because I'm not a male. My body's not built the same. Yes, I can do tricks and keep up with them. But uh, as a professional athlete, we're different. Males and females are different. We're built different. Um, so I had no one to compete against. So and when I did get hurt, I had no financial background. I had a few sponsors, but um, not enough to support rehab or even to pay my rent, like nothing. So I, that's where I built my tiny home because um, otherwise I would have been homeless. And I became a personal trainer because I couldn't afford to go to physio. I couldn't go to afford to go to rehab. So I just started one, just learning about the body. And I was, I'd say five years prior to my injury, I, um, I was a personal trainer. Like I did a couple CanFit Pro courses to work at good life but I just didn't want to look work at good life because it was more selling people things that they didn't necessarily need and making them do things that they didn't need it was more selling yourself than actually helping people so I kind of backed away from that and traveled and focused on my wakeboarding and then when I got injured I got back into it but I was like I want to look at a different I want to train people differently I want to train them to move better prevent injury and enjoy what they're doing so my goal was uh, one, to fix myself, but two, to take all the information I learned on myself and just be able to pass that on to other people. So now I'm a personal trainer and like a fitness instructor and coach. Um, and I don't wanna force people to do things they don't wanna do. If you wanna lose weight, perfect. Let's find fun ways to make you lose weight. If you wanna compete in your first swim competition or snowboard competition, Let's find what you need to get yourself there. Nobody trains. You can't have one way to train and expect everybody to benefit the same. This every single person's differently, um, adjusts differently. So I want to not just be like a cookie cutter trainer. I want to find out more about my clients, what they need, 
Um, Cause I was there too. I was, if you told me to go do a cardio class at good life at the state I was in and didn't ask me any questions, I would probably be injured and never come back again. But because people ask questions about me and because I asked questions and I found out what worked for me, then I could get to that next level. And then I could do a burpee or a jumping jack. But if you told me to just do a burpee, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. If you told me to squat, I couldn't. So how do you get somebody to that point is what I wanted to focus on. Not just your everyday person. That's just, like, that's a massive injury to come back from too. Like mm-hmm. that, that's, that's huge. Like pretty much like, I mean, both of your legs are broken. I mean, at that point, yeah. like, did you ever feel that you were like defeated at that point where oh, yeah. you're, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I remember you- sitting, um, I was actually dating somebody um, uh, just before my surgery and he actually broke up with me because he told me he didn't want me to hold him back from life because I was just like, my legs didn't work. And he just said, he just said, Oh, well, I he broke up with me and he said, I don't want to be there for your rehab because I don't have time to sit around and wait for someone that might not ever get better. And I was like, that kind of lit a fire and it put me down at first. I was like, oh, maybe I'm a burden. Like this sucks. It was the mental state was just horrible, but it also helped me realize there are people in your life that you think are there for you and they will leave in a heartbeat as soon as it's no no longer beneficial to them. And it's, it's kind of turned my, my life around and opened my eyes to who I'm surrounding myself with. Yeah. That's, um, that's heartbreaking that that situation like happened to you. And somebody even said that, like, I think that's crazy, but similar to, um, yourself, I think that like, when you have those experiences and and I talk about this all the time, it's like your circle, like, tell me who your five closest people are and I'll tell you where you're going to be in your life. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that people, you know, come and go into your life for like a certain reason. They're meant to be there for a certain time. And even though you had like this, something that's like so awful that happens to you, it's like, there's a lesson to be learned there, right? Mm -hmm. Like in all that tragedy and heartache and hardship, like with that, I, I, I feel that like when I'm definitely the type of person and I've come to realize this, especially over the past, like, I would say five to 10 years of my life, where it's like, man, like I have shit like that, like really dark stuff that happens to me. Somebody will say something like that. And like, that's okay. I just use that as like fucking fuel Mm -hmm. to like go out and crush it. Like better. Like I always say this, like I have zero talent, like zero talent. I'm the most talentless person on the fucking planet. Like I literally, (laughs) I am like the most uncoordinated like, but, but I've got a lot of grit. Like I will show up every day. And I, like, even when it comes to like doing basic movements, like I, I'm like, I, I think I, I think I have a learning disability. Like, I think I literally have a learning disability, like watching things. Cause I have to watch it so many times. I'm such a visual learner and, um, I have, I have zero talent. And I, I, I tell you, like, I will beat out the competition because, mm-hmm. I just keep showing up. I just keep showing up. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like a dog that never goes away. Like I just, yeah. I would be so annoying um, because I use a lot of that stuff that people will say that I can't do things mm-hmm. or opportunities where people have gone where I thought that they were going to be in my life. Like I thought mm-hmm. my partner was going to be there for like the longest time and then to wake up one day and then not have that and not mm-hmm. have that support. It's like, you know what? Like, I don't need to have that. I think it's like a new birth of like becoming like a woman and just like all this empowerment. It's like, not to, it's not to partner shame or man shame or anything like that. I just, I feel like it's like, that's fine. But the amount of energy to flip a switch in your brain yeah, and be able to like use that as like, it's literally like, it's like, it's like my fucking rocket fuel to like, just go and do like these really crazy hard things because um nobody else is going to do it like it, it takes yeah. a lot of courage in, our, in order to do that so that's, where, that's where I learned a lot of my sports and my skills is I've been in a really dark place where people have let me down 
and kind of told me I'm worthless or I don't deserve this. And I'm like, you know what? I do deserve this. I'm going to learn. I know nothing about this sport or even wakeboarding. I was told I was with a guy at the time, um, like dating somebody and I broke up with them and he told me, um, that I would never wakeboard again if I broke up with them. And I was like, well, like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I, I own this sport. I'm, this community is my community. If you break up with me, you'll never be a part of it again. I'll tell everybody and everyone to push you away. I'm in control. This is, it's me or you're, or you're gone with this sport. And I was like, okay, well, and that was boat riding. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not, I can't stay with this person because I love a sport. So I, we broke up and um, I started cable riding. So I went to Montreal and started riding cable and I would just go there. And I was just mentally broken because I was like, I can't go back home because I can't do the, the sport that I love. So I would drive two hours to Montreal every few days and ride the cable. And I met a new community and they were awesome. They were so welcoming. I loved cable riding and fall came. So I booked a trip to the Philippines and I went to a cable park there, stayed there for a month, made friends there, just kind of wakeboarded and just kind of shut that out of my brain. And I'm like, if I go home, I'll have nowhere to wakeboard. But at least right now I'm happy. And this is, I have people that support me. I went by myself. I was like, I'm going, I don't know any, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm staying. I'm going to show up. I'm going to make it work. And I did, I had a few friends that had been there before. So they helped me out. Um, and then I'm, I kind of just, said, okay, well, I'm not gonna be part of that community anymore. I'm not gonna give up. I'm just gonna find another way to do it. And then I uh, started competing in the street competitions in Quebec. And I made friends with a few of the wakeboarders there, not knowing they're the best wakeboarders in the world. Like Raph Rome, Ollie DeRome, Ian Thibault, Alex Savoy. They took me under when I was at my worst and I just wanted to wakeboard. They knew nothing about me. And they're like, hey, you wanna do this. We can see it in your eyes let's go. Like I would ask them questions I'd be like, Hey, how do you do, how do you ollie onto a rail? How do you hit a jump? How do you do a spin? And they were, they never once said anything about me being a girl or me being completely talentless. So they were just like, cool, this is what we do. This is how you do it. Go try it. You'll probably fall, but try it again. And if they weren't there, I probably would have failed miserably. I kind of, they kind of took me under their wing and they were really, really, really helpful for my wakeboard career and whether they see it or not, they were, they're part of my career. Um, they, uh, the Jerome's have a cable park just outside of Cornwall in Quebec. Like as soon as you get into Quebec, it's in uh, St. Jerome, I think it's called like, I don't know why I'm brain farting on this, but uh, it's right off the highway. Unfortunately it just closed because uh, Raph and Ollie just recently retired, but, Raph is the GOAT, like if you don't know what GOAT means, greatest of all time um, for wakeboarding. He is, there is nobody that will ever come close to the things that he's done. And I was lucky enough to wakeboard in his backyard. And he, him, Ben LeClaire and Ollie and a bunch of the kids in the community would wakeboard in their backyard. And I would go drive an hour and 45 minutes to go wakeboard with them. And they were so welcoming. And I don't even think they realized how welcoming they were. They, we didn't speak the same language. I was English. They were French. Luckily, I knew French. But um, they they took me in to their backyard not knowing who the heck I was. And they were like, yeah, come watch us ride. Just jump in when you can. And I was the worst. Like, I don't know why they let me wakeboard with them, but they did. <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm competing in Ontario. And I think I've taken... I know I've taken a lot of the things that they've taught me and created my own style riding in Ontario. Nobody rides like them. So anytime I'm riding, I'm like, how would, how would these guys approach this rail? Um, you could teach, you can try to teach me all you want about how to do tricks. And all I can think about is, is the way they do it and how I could be more like them. Like, even though they don't wakeboard anymore, a lot of them have retired and moved away. One lives in Nicaragua, I think right now. Um, but they said they were such a big part of my life that, that I wouldn't be here without them. If there's anybody that's like in your life that 
is doing better. Like, I mean, it's like for, it's like for yourself, like I look up to you so much. Like, I think you're such a cool person. Like, I think that like the tricks that you're doing, like you're literally like, you're like a massive idol for me. And I would, and I don't think you realize that, right? Like, I think a lot of people are looking up to you, um, as a wakeboarder. Like, I mean, like, it's literally one of like, I think I would remember like watching some of the stuff that you were doing. And I was like, I don't even know. Like, even if I can just do like 10% of what she's doing, like just, like just, just 10%, like I'll be really happy with that. And I think that that's like, I was so in your cool. shoes. There was a girl called Erica. Her name's Erica Langman. And I, I was there. I saw her and she wrote, and I was like, I can't even go wake to wake. And this girl's doing tantrums and flips and spins. And I'm like, if I could even just do like, not even half the stuff she does, yeah. like, I will be so happy. I'm like, I want to be like her when I grow up. And she was my age, but I was like, I am too old to be getting into the sport, but I think she's the coolest. And I just want to do a fraction of what she's doing. And then I started competing against her. And then I started beating her in competitions where I'm like, I never thought I would have been there and I wouldn't have been there without her. She wasn't a part of my life. I I wouldn't have anybody to look up to. So having anyone to look up to, even if it's like fractions, like just to push you a little bit further, women need that. We need that female role model. If I can be any kind of role model, whether it's even just a small amount, like I, that makes me so happy. And I like, I love that you even think anything of me. You know what? And I think that there's so many people, like there's no age, like limit. Like I think women have to stop, like stop putting themselves in that. Like I I probably started wakeboarding when, I don't know, like when when I first moved to Muskoka. So like, I've been doing it, like, I don't know, for maybe 10 plus years. Am yeah. I good at it? No, I'm terrible at it. Like I, I, I mean, I could do it behind my boat, whatever. And I think going through, um, I I've always loved it though. Like I love, I love mm-hmm. it. I think it's like so relaxing and it's, it's sometimes it's, it's frustrating as well, but I just yeah. like, there's such a connection with like being on a board, being pulled and like on the water. It's just, it's, I don't know, for me, like, I just, I, there's just like this time you just have to like focus on that one. It's like really hard sometimes. And you have to focus on a hard path. And last year I had always drove by the cable park and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go. And Good. it's like really intimidating to show up being like, first of all, I'm not in my twenties. There's a lot of people yeah. that are there that are, are younger. And I'm just like, I just want to learn. Like, so I remember watching, like, I, I, I think I watched you. There's like a whole bunch of like these superstars that are out there. You guys are like testing boards. They're like, Oh, we got spot. We got some new boards. I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know what brand of board. Like I I'm so, I'm such a newbie and it's just so cool. I think it's like, you guys need to realize like how much, especially for yourself, like how much you're inspiring other people, because a lot of people, that like for myself, like I, I watch you and I'm like, I think it's so incredible that you're able to like, like do all of these like cool tricks and do that. And it just makes me want to go push myself even more and even harder because, um, yeah, I think I like, you're a total badass. So like, that kudos to you because it, it's you. awesome watching you and it looks so freaking cool when you're out there and you're doing like, you make it look so easy. It's not <laughs> it's not easy trust me everything that's going through my head I wish you knew what was going in my head while I was doing that stuff but um, I'm so happy you jumped in and tried it so we actually host Monday nights in July and August um, as long as it's not a thunderstorm Um, from 6 p.m to 8 p.m we do a free ladies night Um, it's free but we also do it by donation Uh, right now we do donation to our buddy Ben LeClaire who is um, in the past few years was paralyzed uh so we try to support him as much as we can um but if you don't have to donate if you like you can come empty-handed no equipment nothing just literally show up you don't have to have a bathing suit half the time i make people go in their clothes because i don't want that to be an excuse i'm like hey i have extra board shorts i have an extra t-shirt put it on go out there like no excuse um i would say 90 percent of the girls that come to the ladies night have never done it before have always said, oh, I'll do it next time, or I'll do it, I'll do it later. I'm like, no, you're here now, just try it. No one's gonna laugh at you. Every time you fall, ladies night is meant to be like, try something, fail at it, try it again, even if it's just getting off the dock or getting out of the water. You'll surprise yourself. Most, I would say 90% of the females that try, 
say, I'm never going to get up. And I'm like, well, you'll never know till you try. Hop in. If you don't get up, whatever. It's 30 degrees out. You're in the water swimming. And every single one of them's got up. I have never had someone that have hasn't gotten up unless they refused to try. The only time someone's never gotten up is if they just were scared of the water or had an anxiety attack or whatnot, like people that kind of struggle with something else. It wasn't necessarily a sport. Um, but even I had a one and a half year old last year out just on my board with me because she was too young. So her mom was like, yeah, take her, put her on life jacket on her. Like she's fine. And so I rode around with her and it's, oh, it's so freeing to know that someone that young is like happy to enjoy my sport. I'm like, she's has such a big life ahead of her. The fact that she's even just on the board with me makes me like all giddy and oh, it warms my heart. Um, you know, it's funny also- that you say, it's funny that you say that too because um, my my daughter is uh, so she would have been nine last year. I yeah. do a lot of surfing like behind mm-hmm. my, my boat, and um, she's really nervous. Like she's like you could tell like she's like I don't know she's anxious whatever. My and it, it's it's funny because like she's such a confident person like in other things like other areas of her life. Um, and th- it's the same thing. So we were surfing. I was like, Hey, like, do you want to hop on my board and I'll, I'll, you can come with me. We're going to surf and I'm going to pull you up and we're going to do it together. And like, man, like, first of all, like, I'm like at the point where like, I can now do that with her. And like, you've had that experience and like, you're literally, you can feel their joy. Like when they're there yeah. and you're like holding them and they're like going on the water, like, Oh, it's like, it's so, it just, it, oh, it's like, incredible and now I hope that she can take this summer and like be able to like experience that on her own you know like where she's able to like get up and like do stuff so yeah it's so cool and you guys you've also like you've been riding with your duck too I think you've got like oh my god yeah (laughs) so I have ducks and chickens so I have a duck and um I hand raised her because there was a fox that ended up getting one of my females and ducks can't be alone because they get really attached. So you can't raise just one single duck. So I had a baby duck um, that I had to integrate with my adult ducks, but they would have killed her because she was so young. So she had to be with me 24 seven until she was old enough to go with them. So I took her everywhere with me. I went, I taught wakeboard clinics in Tim, Timmins. I brought her with me. We stayed in a hotel. I just like snuck her in. Um, and she just like had her little dog crate she stayed in right beside her bed and traveled well sat in the car on the seat just slept on a little towel um followed me around I would teach wakeboard clinics and she would just sit on the dock while I taught the clinics and or while I rode or she'd sit on the paddleboard with me and then one day I was like you know I wonder if she would wakeboard with me so I brought her with me and we just started really slow and she seemed to not care she's like okay cool whatever I'm as long as I'm with you and then we slowly got faster and faster and then she started to love it so I'm like okay I'm gonna just ride normally and hold on to her so I was hitting rails and doing tricks but not anything gnarly like just like some basic stuff just to get some video shots and she was fine she's like not panicked at all she's like okay cool whatever I'm a duck I love the water and then I would like let her go and she'd fly and go swim and she'd come right back to me because she wanted to do it again I'm like okay well this is an animal abuse at least she loves this um and we had ducks at the wakeboard park uh, while we wakeboard and we had them Harry and Lloyd and they would just swim around the wakeboard park free range while we wakeboarded or taught lessons. Um, but unfortunately the property owner didn't love the ducks there. So we had to bring them home and then everybody still asks questions about them because every time someone would fall, they would quack and it sounded like they were laughing at you. So I can't even recreate it, but you would, you'd fall off a jump and the ducks would be like, and then the kids are like the duck's laughing at me and then they would have fun and then they'd keep trying so every time they fell they thought it was like the greatest thing because they got to hear the duck laugh so I thought it was it was super unique and I wish we could have them back because it was the talk of the town when we had them there that's so awesome what so what is your what what is the duck's name that you're wakeboarding with it was a girl uh that was yeah her name is Rose. Rose so I have like uh, Lloyd, I had two ducks named Harry and Lloyd, but Harry got attacked by a fox, like right out of my hands. It was horrific. But, um, so I got a, a girlfriend for Lloyd. Her name's Hazel. She was a rescue from uh, a sanctuary where she was getting bullied by all the male ducks because there was not a proper ratio of male to female. 
So we took her and integrated her with Lloyd. And then we rescued a duck from the cranberry marsh in Bala. Um, Daisy, she was a domesticated duck. And a fisher got all of her family but hers. So now she's with our flock. And then Rose was the baby that I had, but I couldn't put her with them. She was just a baby. So she had to travel everywhere with us. Okay, so if people want to find you, if they want to book you, how do people reach out to you and get? Um, either Instagram is like directly to me. Um, and my Instagram is at K-T-H-I-A-P-P-A, K-Kiapa. Um, or you can go to what Wake Park. It's in Bala at Bushes. Bushes Water Sports Complex is, uh, or Water Sports Park, um, is a wakeboard wake and water ski school. They run schools from the boat down their private lake, which is amazing. It's like the best ski course ever. It's always calm. It's a private lake. It's beautiful. And then at the end of the lake, we have a wakeboard park. Uh, it's called what Wake Park. There's two systems and they go back and forth, kind of like a zip line. There's jumps and rails. We teach lessons out of there. Uh, I teach a lot of lessons at the Wake Park. I've been stepping back a little bit and trying to focus more on like ladies clinics. And um, uh, this year I'm going to do an Indigenous Day, hopefully on, I want to try to do it and line it up so it's on, um, I think it's the Reconciliation Day where they've I think last year was the first year they did it. I want to try to host a free clinic for indigenous, the indigenous people of Wata because we live on the reserve, just off the reserve of uh, Wata First Nations, Wata Mohawk First Nations. Um, so I want to try to do, go to the community center and offer the kids, whether it's kids, women, adults, doesn't matter who, just be like, hey, we're hosting a day here, sign up. So if you know anybody that's involved in that community, let me know because I'm starting to organize that and we just want to have like a no pressure come watch come set up a powwow try to support the local community get a um some kind of catering done either at Mrs. H's or one of the smokehouses and just kind of close the park down for them um and just say like thank you for letting us live on your land and around your land and putting up with all this Muskoka crap that everybody deals with around here no, that's awesome. I think like, it's so important to give back to your community like that. And mm -hmm. you know what? Yeah, respectfully. So with um, First Nations too, like, I think that, um, you know, I can't, I, I, I would speak for that a lot of women that are in that community would look up to yourself um, mm -hmm. for people that, you know, are inspirations to them and maybe not always like have that opportunity. You know, I was, you know, I can't, speak for first nations but like i was definitely the poor kid living on the wrong side of the tracks and i mm -hmm. didn't have people like you in my circle like i just didn't you know where i had close access to so mm -hmm. for people to be able to like access you and like you're such an inspiration to people and being able to see like you know you you know if you can change one person's world man it's like Oh, it makes such a difference, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I was in those shoes too. I couldn't afford a wakeboard. I still can't afford a wakeboard. They're like thousands of dollars. Um, but uh, like a wakeboard, um, a wetsuit, a life jacket, like any of that stuff. I didn't have that stuff. I think my dad brought one out of a dumpster and gave it to me and my brother and was like, here, try this. And I'm like, okay. And that's what I rode until I got sponsored. So I rode the crappiest things and just made it happen. And again, I didn't have a boat. I went to the cable park. There's, I didn't have access to these things and you, I made it happen that I want to make it accessible to people because I didn't have it and you don't have to be rich. I was never rich. I wasn't born and bred in Toronto or Muskoka. Like I was in a small town with a crappy boat that didn't go in neutral and half the time didn't start. Um, then still kind of finding the happy meeting of just still loving the sport, but also not letting the future, the future of women get put back to where it was when I started. Yeah. And I think that that's like, it's important, right? Like as a female leader, like in your community, it's our due diligence to leave a better footprint than when we found it or what path mm -hmm. that we've walked, you know, it's like, I have, I, I'm sure a lot of women that look up to myself and, you know, for me, I'm always encouraging them. I know like even in my industry, like sometimes um, similar to, you know, you know, wakeboarding, it's not necessarily that we don't have a place, but I feel like there's almost like this animosity where 
you know, we don't share, like, it's not a community environment. It, you know, makes it feel almost like petty and there's like cattiness mm-hmm. and stuff to it. And I have always been the type of person where it's like, I will share all of my successes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share all my failures. I'm going to put it out yeah. there. And I couldn't care less who people that like, if you want to judge me, you can unfollow, you can unsubscribe, yeah. you can do whatever yeah. you got to do. But like my mission in life is to make sure that, you know, if I learn something or a new skill set, or if there's something like that, we're providing some type of mentorship because that's, that's what makes me feel better. There's so much joy that I get from being able to teach somebody something like there's so much lessons that I get for that. And I, I feel like there's not enough, like if you're a person in this world and you're walking and you have a skill set and you're able to teach, like, it doesn't matter. Just start, just start by doing it. Like, it's like your, you know, your indigenous day where it's like, you've got that idea. Great. Perfect. Start with it. Because there's, there's probably one person, and even if it's just one person that's sitting there, like thinking like, I'm never going to be able to do that. I, my, my, yeah. my parents don't have access to a boat. My parents don't have access to like, I don't have the equipment. I don't have this. Like you can mm-hmm. change one person's world. Yeah. By one thing that you do. And like so many people, I think, forget that where it's just like, it's spreading that kindness. It's spreading, like you literally change somebody's world just by like the one thing that you do. So if you've got a yeah. calling for it and it's like pulling out your heart. I say like, you go for that, you run with it. It doesn't matter. Like I'll definitely come out and support you for, Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And like, whatever we need to do, like, if you need me to go dry, I'll go knock door to door for you too. Cause I feel like it's so important. <laughs> And that is a wrap for this episode. So thank you so much for tuning into the Creative Influencer Show. I hope that you have gained some inspiration today and that you have left with your heart and your mind a little fuller. I love using this platform to chat, inspire, and discuss everything that lights my heart on fire. But a huge favorite for your girl, Amanda. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the channel and share with two of your friends. Tag them on social media and tag us. Creating content for this platform is what brings me so much joy and happiness. But I want to grow and I want to share these growth mindset concepts with everyone. And I can't do that without your help. So share and comment and spread the love. Until next time, guys, may you find gratitude in every day, live your life to the fullest, and be courageous enough to conquer the world.